Welcome, listeners. This is Mercury, a broadcast of hope. I'm Agnes Drew, and it's day 732 since we came back on the air. For anyone who was listening yesterday, sorry, I got a little carried away, daydreaming about the woman of adventure who swept through the station early yesterday morning and left a story for story. She said her name was Connie, but also said that it wasn't her real name. I got so excited, in fact, that I didn't even have a chance to read her letter on the air. She was just so cool. The sense of mystery in her smile, a hint of danger in her eye. Agnes, if you keep going like this, you're going to miss the chance to read the letter again. Oh, hi, Dr. Clark. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I can't stand the suspense anymore, and I'm sure our listeners can't either. Time to, um, read this. Agnes... What's the problem? Why aren't you reading it? I... Oh, I don't know. I think I might just be worried she isn't actually as cool as I can imagine in my head she is. In my mind, she could be a million different heroines. But what she is is a person, Agnes. A person whose story deserves to be told. A person who has likely lived a full and fascinating life, whether or not the life matches what you're imagining. You're right, Dr. Clark. Sorry for being a little dramatic. She deserves to be heard. Oh, it's all right. If you weren't a little dramatic, you wouldn't be the creative, somewhat hyperactive Agnes we know and love. But let's please just find out what her mystery is before you drive yourself insane. Hi, Max. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Here goes. Dear brave Mercury crew, it's my pleasure to be writing to you. Agnes, why did you stop? I was just thinking, she had the coolest southern drawl, like someone out of a western movie. Should I read the letter in her drawl? I don't know, Agnes. Yes, yes, Agnes. Read it with the drawl if that'll make you happy. But just read the dang letter. Okay, jeez. Everyone calm down. Look who's hyperactive now. (laughs) Right, here goes. Dear brave Mercury crew, it's my pleasure to be writing to you. I've listened to your messages of hope for nigh on a year now. Wish I'd picked y'all up sooner, but it took a friend giving me a little transistor radio and some batteries to even discover someone had made it back on the airways. I don't stay in one place for long, never have, even before the outbreak. So the friends I make in my travels have to be carried in my heart and remembered in my mind's eye. So just imagine my delight upon discovering a portable friend. Well, three, who could come along with me on the road and share a little about their lives every day. I'm a doctor, a general practitioner with some surgical and army medic experience. Before the outbreak, I was running my own practice part-time and volunteering to help refugees around the world with the rest of my time. My clinic was maintained by my excellent staff whenever I wasn't there, and the system worked well. My practice pulled in enough for me to pay my staff decently and fund my own travels, but we took every insurance we could to make the clinic accessible to as many low-income patients as possible. Meanwhile, traveling the world to help those in need made me feel like I was giving back on a larger scale, and it kept me from getting antsy. My family has always claimed to come from a long line of nomads, so most of always liked to roam in one way or another. Now, my practice and lifestyle was a financial success story in plenty of ways, but I came from very humble beginnings. 
I was the first in my family to go to college, and my whole family was very proud of me getting in and making it through. We were low-income enough ourselves that I qualified for most of the grants, scholarships and loans available, and I turned applying for them into a full-time job during my last year of high school. It was exhausting, but it paid off, literally. I had most of my way paid and took out loans for the rest, which was so scary at the time, but was easy enough to handle later as a doctor with a blossom in practice. Growing up very poor was a large part of why having an accessible clinic mattered so much to me and why I found so much easing of the spirit in traveling to developing countries to treat poverty-stricken individuals. My family didn't do anything wrong. We were just poor. Everyone worked so hard. My parents had the best work ethics I've seen to date, but we just knew how to farm, and so we farmed. If you start out life in an impoverished situation and you work hard all your life to feed your family, but you're barely making ends meet, well, then it's hard to pull yourself out of that hole. So hard. You just don't have the same head start others do. So then what happens? Your children start out life in the same situation, inheriting your work ethic and all the love you can give them, but not much else because you just couldn't save much up. You were working yourself to the bone just trying to put food on the table every day. The cycle can continue for generations. I got lucky and broke the cycle, and I was able to help lift my family out of it as well because of my success. But not everyone can do that. We were just as good of people before we had money. Just as kind, just as loving, just as quick to help others in need, even if we didn't have anything ourselves. I don't expect to have children, especially not now, but I used to worry about how I would keep them humble and kind if I ever did. How would I raise children with money to be as humble and grateful as my siblings and I were, growing up with nothing but each other and the games we played? Anyway, knowing how much love I received as a child and what an incredibly happy childhood I had makes me feel certain to my core that money doesn't buy happiness. Money has allowed me to help people in different ways than I could have before, and it's allowed me to take care of my family, so I'm glad to have it. But it just doesn't determine a person's worth. Everyone deserves the same access to medical treatment, the same patience and respect from their medical caregivers, so I look at each person I treat with disregard to their background and economic status, except to gain information about their current health, so I can better help them. Sorry to interrupt, Agnes, but we're over on time. Yeah, she's right. There's a lot more detail here than we usually get. I'm glad we get to learn so much about your woman of mystery, but I think we'll have to finish the letter tomorrow. Wow, I didn't even realize it had been so long. Well, I think it's fair to say that we're all invested in her story now. So I guess let's go ahead and wrap this up for today. More to come. Tune in for more tomorrow, listeners, and take care of each other.